0: This afternoon, we're going to be looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. Please turn with me in the Heidelberg Catechism to Lord's Day 20. Remember, these are summaries of the Lord's Days, are summaries of what it is that we believe. So if you look, there's a question, and then there's an answer, and then there are a list of verses underneath So, it's a a summary, it's an instruction that we have as a church. Excellent, clear instruction. And we're going to be looking at question and answer 53. Question and answer 53 What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that he has given also to me that through true faith he makes me share in Christ in all his benefits comforts me and will remain with me forever. Now we're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we looked at this morning. Please turn with me in your Bibles there if you would. This morning we saw verses 16 through 18. And we're going to read only 16 through 22. Our focus is going to be specifically verse 19. It says there, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to begin this afternoon by speaking about a fire, about what it takes to start a fire. Now, kids, if you've done this before, some of you maybe have been a part of cadets. I was a part of cadets for many years. I loved it. But cadets and cadets, they teach you how to make a fire, and specifically how to make a fire in wintertime. Now, who has an idea what it takes to start a fire? What do you need to start a fire? Do you have any ideas? Can anybody throw something out there? Kids, what do you think? Wood. Wood. Okay, excellent. What else? Uh, match. Matches. Okay, excellent. You can't start a fire without matches unless you're really, really good. What else? Well, you need wood, you need matches. Oftentimes we use paper. In cadets, the idea was to start a fire with only one match. So you start that fire, you get a little bit of paper, you get a little bit of birch bark maybe. You put that down, you put some dry sticks around it, then you put some more dry sticks around it. You light that match very carefully and you light that fire. Little by little, you feed that fire till it gets bigger and bigger. And then you can put more wood on it. Now, the one thing that you don't do, and those who have been in cadets, you know this. You don't build that fire in the middle of a drift. Why? Because there's moisture in that area. You wouldn't build it in the middle of a swamp or in the middle of a puddle either. Because it just doesn't make sense. What you need is dry wood for that fire to grow, for that fire to become strong, for that flame to grow. The last thing you'd want to do is throw a pail of water on that fire. Now, here in our passage, the Apostle Paul is talking about a fire, a spiritual fire that God begins in each one of us. And that is the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we know, is part of the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit the holy spirit the bible teaches us is in the heart is in the life of every believer now you might remember the story of when the holy spirit came upon the church in the old testament we know that they were looking forward to that day that was a special day when this day the day the spirit would come upon the church and in Acts 2, it explains, it's a historical book. It's a, a book where it explains what happens after the death of Jesus Christ, how the church began to grow. And we come to Acts chapter 2, and there's a, an excitement there. There's something that is powerful happening, and that is the Holy Spirit came upon the church in a special way. Yes, in the Old Testament, we see evidence of that. We know that the that King David had the Spirit He said do not take your spirit from me we know that but in acts chapter 2 it explains that the spirit came upon the churches in a special way how did the church know children that the spirit was upon them well it was very very evident it says that a a rushing wind came through the place It, it said that tongues of fire appeared on the heads of everyone It says that they were filled with a great joy, a great zeal, a great love for the Lord. The age of the Spirit had begun. Now, I personally have always wondered what it must have been like to be there. What an amazing time to live. What an amazing thing to be a part of, to see the Spirit come down on God's people. Brothers and sisters, it's important to recognize that ever since that day when God the Father poured out His Spirit on the church, we've been living in the age of the Spirit. Every Christian has the Spirit. Every Christian has the Spirit leading us, guiding us, helping us to live for the Lord. We can say that without the work of the Spirit in our life, it would be impossible for us to stand as Christians. There's a lot of confusion about the work of the Spirit today, even amongst Christians. This was something that I had a real interest in, especially when I was in my teenage years. I had a close friend that was part of the Pentecostal Church. He spoke to me about speaking in tongues. I was once with a group of Christians in Mexico when I was on a team there, and they put their hands on me, and they prayed that the Spirit would come upon me. I wasn't sure at the time exactly what to make of it. And there are many today in the Christian church that have a different view than we do. They believe that the spirit is something that we should see in a very physical way. We should have as Christians the power, for example, to do supernatural things, like heal the sick or raise the dead or cast out evil spirits. And they would say that Look at the New Testament. Look at the power the disciples had. And they would say that this is what every Christian should experience. Perhaps you've seen this kind of teaching. In Mexico, for example, this was extremely popular. Maybe you know the name Benny Hinn. He was a superstar in the evangelical church. (coughs) Maybe you know the name Todd White. If you've never seen any of their teaching, you might go on YouTube and take a look. I actually had the opportunity when I was in seminary to go and see Benny Hinn. He was there preaching in our area. To me, it was a very sad thing. It was supposed to be a healing service. Many came in, hundreds of people came in with their wheelchairs. But they also left in their wheelchairs. So there's confusion about what the work of the Holy Spirit is. For a time I had opportunity to serve in Honduras and this sort of teaching, charismatic, extreme charismatic teaching was very popular and they actually called us the Iglesia Apagada, that is to say the snuffed out church. They believed we didn't have the Spirit, we didn't have sign of the Spirit or the signs of the Spirit they thought. Brothers and sisters, I want to see with you this afternoon that the work of the Spirit is much more than just signs and wonders. As a church, we believe that that was a special time that the church lived through when those signs and wonders were necessary. Yet it doesn't mean that the work of the Spirit does not continue in our lives. The Spirit is at work in the church today. Today, And the Spirit works powerfully in our life. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the work of the Spirit and we're going to see four specific areas that the Spirit works in our life. And then specifically, how not to quench that work. So how does the Spirit work in our life? And how we are not to quench His work in our spiritual journey. The first thing that I would like to see with you this afternoon is that the Holy Spirit convicts the Christian of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the Christian of sin. Now, before we become a Christian, brothers and sisters, we can say spiritual things don't make sense to us, do they? they seem very strange perhaps maybe we reject them outright but these things are simply things that don't make sense 1 Corinthians 2:14 says that the natural person doesn't accept the things of the spirit of god it's like reading a foreign language these are things that we don't understand we don't want to know we don't want to understand When God begins to work in the life of a person who is spiritually sensitive, when God begins to make us sensitive to his leading, he begins to work through the spirit working in our heart. How does he do that? What he does is he begins to make us think. Perhaps for the first time, to think about spiritual things to perhaps think about life after death. I've had many people come to me and say that, Pastor Rich, I really never began to think about God or the importance of following him until this particular event happened in my life. And maybe it was a a death of a friend or a family member many times it's not till you go to a funeral that you begin to think about these things again. Many times we tend to compartmentalize. We begin to, we, we try to put death in a corner. We don't want to think about it till we have to. But when we go to a funeral, brothers and sisters, what is it that we think of? We, well, we begin to think, well, what's going to happen to me? When will my day be? When is it that, God is going to call me to account. But others say to me, "Reg, it was when I had a child, and I held that baby in my arms for the first time, and I looked in the eyes of my child that I began to ask myself, what am I going to teach my child about what is right and what is wrong? If I don't know it, how am I going to teach my son or my daughter? But whatever it is in our life, we begin to think, we begin to analyze, we begin to question the things that we believe. One of the very first things that he does is he begins to convict us of our sin, our own personal sin. John 16 verse 7 says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. That is his work. That is what he does. He makes you see your sinfulness and your need for a savior. What is it that Jesus said to Nicodemus? He said, you must be born again. And that's true for every one of us here. We need to be born again. Titus 3 verse 15, which we saw this morning, which we read in connection with the law, it says... He saved us through the washing of rebirth, through the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So every one of us needs to come to the point in our life where we are convicted, truly convicted of our own sin where we see that we are sinners before a holy God, where we bow our knee before him and we say to him, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for what I have done. Forgive me of my sins. Graciously grant that forgiveness and give me the faith that I need to believe in you and to follow you. Brothers and sisters, this conviction of sin doesn't stop there. It's an ongoing thing. It has to be an initial conviction that we have as believers when we come to Christ. We need to see that the work of the Spirit is something that continually happens in our life. The Spirit continually convicts us on a daily basis. (coughs) But children, you you know that when you pray at night, your your parents probably lead you in a a prayer that, and you say in that prayer, "Lord, forgive me for my sins." And that's important, isn't it? It's important for us to do that on a daily basis. It's important for us to understand that we daily need to go to Christ. So we need to ask the question: How do we not quench the work of the Spirit? The simple answer is this, by not rejecting him when he convicts us of sin. Because one of the things that the Spirit does is he makes our consciences sensitive to his leading. And when we fall into sin, we're not to make excuse for it. Oftentimes that's what we do, isn't it? Oftentimes we say, well, look at leading a better life than my neighbor down the road. I'm more obedient in my life than many around me, even Christians. We make excuse for it. We say it's no big deal. Secondly, we're not to harden in it. When we continue in our sin, that's what happens, right? The conscience begins to be seared. That means it's sealed. That means it's something that's no longer functioning as it should. The Bible says don't harden in your sin. Don't reject the work of the Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Spirit and repent daily. So first of all, the work of the Spirit is to convict us of our sin. Secondly, the Holy Spirit teaches the Christian to walk in the Spirit, in the Spirit. John 14, 26 says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything I have said to you. And brothers and sisters, it's interesting how many times in scriptures it talks about word and spirit, word and spirit. I had a man once say to me, he said, Rich, he says, you've got to stop following the Bible so much and s- focusing on teaching just the Bible. You need to be led by the Spirit. You need to let go of the Bible and hold on to the Spirit. <coughs> let me tell you this afternoon, that wasn't good advice. That man soon afterwards fell away from the faith. Remember this, brothers and sisters, the word and the spirit always work together. When somebody tells you, God told me to do it, yet it's not based on scripture, we need to be very, very careful. That's one of the things that we see in the extreme charismatic movement. We see that many of the teachers focus mostly on their own feelings And mostly on the things that they believe God has told them to do. We need to be careful with that. As we open God's word in in our families and individually, we need to pray, God, show me. Open my mind, open my heart. So that I can understand what you would have me to know and to understand from your word. This is why taking the time to read God's word on a daily basis is is so essential for us. Let me encourage you, just don't go through the motions. You know, sometimes that's easy to do, isn't it? Even as a, a father, it's easy for me just to randomly pick up the Bible after a meal and just read a passage without really thinking about it. God wants us to interact with his word. He wants us to read it with meaning and with passion. So that we're able to walk in the spirit. That we're able to continue to faithfully walk as the Lord leads us in our life. Galatians 5.17 says, So I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. We're in this battle, aren't we? This flesh and the spirit battling against each other. And we need the spirit presently and actively working in our life. Because every Christian is called to live in this way, and it's not easy. This morning I mentioned some of the older folks and the experience that they've had in the Christian life. And if you were to ask the older members here, they would tell you there is no rest in this fight between word, between the spirit and the flesh. Till the day that we die, that's the reality. So how do we quench the work of the spirit We can say the answer is this. It's by going our own way, by following our own hearts, by following the message that we hear so often. And brothers and sisters, today we are bombarded with messages that are against what we believe as Christians. We live in a culture that does not believe what we do we're seeing this more and more. And this walking by faith and this walking in the spirit is difficult when we're hearing messages that are against everything that we believe. We need to realize that more and more, especially in the age that we live with media and internet and so many different voices coming at us, it's easy to begin to walk away. It's easy to begin to go off the path. And these are not just differences of opinion, but brothers and sisters, this truly is spiritual warfare that we are in. There is a battle for the mind today. There is a battle for the heart today that is real. Don't forget that. Spiritual warfare, we need to pray that we would truly walk in spirit, that we would not quench the work of the spirit in our life. So, secondly, the work of the Holy Spirit is to help us walk faithfully day by day with our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we've seen that the Spirit convicts us. We've seen that the Spirit helps us to walk with the Lord from day to day. And thirdly, the Spirit makes us a part of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many parts. Now, this is the passage you probably remember. It talks about the body of Christ the physical body compared to the spiritual body, that there are many different parts in the church. That every person in the church has a particular place. Every particular part of the body is important. Everybody doesn't have to be the same. Actually, we shouldn't be the same. Now, in the New Testament, this was truly astounding for those who made up a part of the New Testament church Because many people came from many walks of life. They were brought into one community. Young and old, men and women, slaves and free. Can you imagine being an owner of slaves and then sitting beside them and sharing the same hymn book? Must have been an amazing thing. Yet that was the reality so different, yet all brought together. And for those of you who have experienced other cultural contexts, you know what an amazing thing that is. If you've ever been in a congregation when there's there's a lot of different nationalities, that's a, a really amazing experience. I've even been in churches where they're singing in different languages at the same time. The same words, the same idea that they're singing, yet expressed in different ways. So we can say in the New Testament church, brothers and sisters, it was a place where what is humanly impossible becomes a reality. So the work of the Spirit is to make us a part of the church. Now, how specifically does he do that for us? Well, the Spirit makes us realize a few things about ourselves. First of all, that we're not on our own. Now, naturally, we tend to think that we can make it on our own spiritually. I don't know if you've ever met a person that said, why, I don't think I need to go to church on Sundays. I don't really see the need. Why do I need to go and hear with others the same thing that I can hear online? Especially since COVID, there's a lot of people speaking that way. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit makes us understand that we can't live, we can't function spiritually without each other. And I think during COVID, many of us realized this. When we were away from each other for months and months and months, it was a hard thing. It wasn't natural, it wasn't healthy, it wasn't good, it wasn't something that could continue. We need each other as a church. So the spirit makes us understand I need others. I need others in my life. I need others helping me in my faith. I need to be a part of a bigger body than and not just be alone. The spirit also gives us a love for others. That is to say he gives us an interest in knowing the rest of the body, others in the church. This is something that's so important, isn't it? That we not be selfish, that we not focus on our own lives only, but that we actually go to church on Sundays to build others up in the faith, to begin to invest in them. I hope you come to this church on Sundays to do that. You look out for that person that perhaps doesn't have someone to talk to. That you think about them, you look at And you notice that person that is visiting on Sundays, someone who feels out of place. The Spirit teaches us how to function in this way. The Spirit teaches us that we need each other. He gives us that love for each other. He makes us see the importance of going to church on Sundays to hear the word, but also to enjoy that fellowship of the saints brothers and sisters when you think about it this is a place where we have true friendship you know in this world there are very few people that have really close friends i think a lot of people during covid realize that who are truly my friends who are the people that really care about me We can say that in the Church of Jesus Christ, this is the place where we form real friendships, people that really care about us, people that will watch our back, people that will come alongside us when we're in need. So to reject the work of the Spirit is basically to reject being a part of the body, thinking that we can do it on our own, thinking we don't need others, thinking that we don't need to go to church on Sundays thinking that we don't need others investing in us and strengthening us. So, brothers and sisters, the Spirit makes us a part of the church, of the body of Jesus Christ. The fourth and final thing is that through the Holy Spirit, as believers, we are able to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Acts 1 verse 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The early, the early church was only able to go out as witnesses with the help of the Holy Spirit. When you think of what the early church was up against, brothers and sisters when you think of the forces of evil and the darkness that was around them, it must have been staggering to them to think that they had been called to be witnesses in that kind of environment. I think sometimes as believers today, we're afraid of what's going to happen in the future. Sometimes we wonder what's coming down the pike for us. Are we going to be able to live our lives as we have lived in the past We don't know that, do we? The early church was up against so much, against impossible odds, we can say, yet they went out in the name of Jesus Christ. Yet they went out in strength. They went out in boldness. Children, maybe some of you have read some of the stories that have been told. Maybe you've read Fox's book of martyrs. Generation after generation, Christians were able to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to testify faithfully even to death. Blood of the martyrs, brothers and sisters, was the seed of the church. The church was able to be a faithful, strong witness because the Holy Spirit was working in and through them. But today, as we think about this for ourselves, we too need to be prepared for what's coming. And we can face this reality, brothers and sisters, if the Spirit truly is working strongly in our life, only then. Even when things are not in vogue, even when we don't have the top positions in society and many times in our generation and in the generations past in Canada, that's what we're used to. But if you look at the church or the history of the church, normally the Christians were under the foot and under the feet of the common people. They were the lowest of the low. They were the ones that were rejected. They were the ones that were despised. They were the ones that suffered Continually, because they believed. But today we're facing the same thing, realizing that perhaps what we've had will not be the future. So how are we to respond? Well, if you are a spirit-filled Christian this afternoon, brothers and sisters, you can face that. And you can face that not with fear, But you can face that with boldness, with grace, and with confidence. 2 Timothy 2.23 describes it this way. It says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So, brothers and sisters, this is the calling that we have been given to respond even in the face of those who reject us violently, to respond with ki- kindness, to be re- respond with patience, to Correct even those who oppose us with this gentleness. So what does it mean to resist the Spirit's work? Well, it means not to talk about our faith. It means not to engage people in what we believe. And you know, brothers and sisters, that's very easy to do, isn't it? When you're standing with a group of friends, non-believers, and they begin to talk about something that you don't agree with, or they begin to speak against the faith that you hold, sometimes it's hard to put the hand up, sometimes it's hard to speak up and say what you know is right. Let me encourage you in that this afternoon. Today we need Christians that will stand strong. Today we need Christians that will speak when others refuse. Today we need Christians that will speak of the hope beyond the grave. And even now, post-COVID, it's a great opportunity for us as a church to speak about our faith. So many people are looking for answers I've spoken with so many people that were shaken up, shaken to the core. Even through the things that they went through over the last couple of years. So remember the work of the Spirit is to help us be faithful even now, even today, even in the circle that Christ has put us. So as we close... Maybe there is someone here today that doesn't see the spirit working. Maybe some of these things that we've talked about this afternoon are foreign to you. You don't see the work of the spirit as he convicts you of your sin. Maybe you're comfortable in your sin. And if you're not a Christian this afternoon, again, I ask you, cry out to the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. Ask that he would work in your heart and your life so that you would have peace with him, that you would have the spirit work. He would convict you of your sins, that he would lead you in your life, that he would help you to have a faithful testimony. And if you are a Christian this afternoon... Do you see these things working in your life? Do you see the Spirit working in this way? If He's convicting you of your sins, how are you responding? From day to day, are you walking in the Spirit? Is He giving you a love for the church? Are you active in the church plugging in? Let me tell you, if you're not, let me say that the elders and the deacons in this church would be glad to hear from you. If you go to them and say, look it, I have time on my hands, I'd love to serve in the church. I'm sure they'll be able to put you to work very soon. You standing as a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. I pray, brothers and sisters, that this would be true of every one of us here this afternoon, because that truly is the Spirit's work. Remember where we started. We talked about a fire. We talked about the fire that God begins in us. Now, brothers and sisters, don't put out that fire. Embrace the work of the Spirit. Rejoice in what God is doing in your life. Enjoy that day-to-day walk with Him. Appreciate what God is doing in and through you. And speak and use the opportunities that Christ gives you to speak of the hope that you have in him. Brothers and sisters, may this be true of each and every one of us here this afternoon. Would we, we, that we would understand what the work of the Spirit is. And that we would rejoice in the work that God is doing in our lives.